Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. College football and NFL discussion across the OutKick network. We are streaming live at OutKick.com. And if you're joining us on this great radio station, we hope that you will tag us on social media. Let us know where you're listening at OutKick360. You're a season ticket holder. Gentlemen, a lot to discuss over the next couple of hours. We're with you for the next two. And we will have Glenn Gilbo from OutKick.com joining us in hour number three, where he's live in Baton Rouge, getting ready for Tennessee and LSU with Rose number one game of the week. And it kicks off first on the big slate. So SEC-wise, here's your slate of games tomorrow. In terms of biggest game in the time slot, you've got Tennessee-LSU that kicks off at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, or minutes after. Uh, 2.30 Central, 3.30 Eastern, Georgia and Auburn. And then the nightcap on the doubleheader on CBS, you've got A&M on the road in Tuscaloosa, where uh, we, we I think if we had to place bets before the season, the storyline was Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban, offseason feud. They won in overtime a year ago. Alabama's looking for revenge with their starting quarterback returning as the Heisman Trophy uh, uh, holder and also the, and also the, uh, the favorite going into the season other than C.J. Stroud. And now it's about whether or not Jimbo Fisher is, is – well, we know he's not worth the $90 million buyout. But can he do anything? Yeah, uh, exactly. Like, are they actually going to do anything offensively? And from the Alabama side, is Bryce Young going to play? That's the other thing we've got to figure out. So Aaron Wilson, excuse me, has a report from Pro Football Network that says, sources tell Pro Football Network, Bryce Young not playing, <clears throat> Jalen Milrow will start. I don't know if you got my joke earlier. I said that he knows... Aaron Wilson must know Bryce Young's agent <laughs> because that's, Aaron Wilson's very tied in in the NFL community, but I don't know how he would yeah, get no, to funny. Bryce Young. I, I was, By the way, a year ago, that was not an overtime game. I don't know. I believe he, they kicked the, the field oh, goal right, yeah. at the end at of the regulation. That, yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, that's my bad. It, the, it felt like overtime, Chad, with, with you. It was, hey, it, <laughs> you was, know a long, I, you know it was a long on game. On date night. We, we uh, on our date night in College Station. I, My date night with Billy Lucci and Johnny Manziel. I was, I was on the sideline when, yeah. when that ball went yeah. through the uprights. I was in the third quarter. I was on the sideline. I sent Chad a text as I was, I was charging my phone with Jamie Erdahl's phone charger, charger on the sideline. All these sideline people. Yeah. And she, it, it was the only, phone, only outlet on the sideline. And she, she had her she phone knew. connected. And I looked at it. I'm like, hey, Jamie, do you mind if I charge my phone? Because I need to text Chad. He's up in the stands to get him down here because we only have one sideline pass. Sure. So I charged it enough to text Chad. Then we swapped, and he came down for the fourth quarter, and you were in the middle of the crowd surfing and some, somehow made your way up to us, uh, which was Well, awesome. you, were, you were very big on, no, you, I was like, no, it's time. okay. Yeah, you he can didn't stand there. And, and, I was like, and I was like, no, you really you need to come hang down up here. first. You need to, you, he's, well, he was no, adamant. I, I demanded it. Yeah, he was adamant. He was like, no, you're going up here. This is, it's wor- coming down here. It's worth it. And I did. 
And I thank you for making me do that because oh, it was well worth it. What a game. What an atmosphere. And it, so Tuscaloosa is fun. It's not going to be that if Alabama wins, right? But if, if A&M makes this a game, I think it's more of the same. It's when will A&M learn their lesson offensively in order to put together a season that everyone expects when we buy into it? Like when will they adapt offensively to what we see across not just the SEC, but college football, and now, quite frankly, two-thirds of the NFL. Not this week. Hutton, it's, it's over. That's like, what I, I'm I, saying. I, I not, really not think, this week, not this season. Well, uh, but uh, with your scenario, you know, they, they don't go shock the world for a second straight year, right? They shocked the world a year ago. No one yeah, expected that. It was a great game. They, one they, of the best I've seen If they don't do that again with three losses now, with a loss to Appalachian State, a, yeah. a blowout loss to Mississippi State, if they go get blown out by Alabama, there's nothing they can do this season that would salvage things in the eyes of their fans other than – and they're not going to fire Jimbo Fisher either. But let's say they go 8-4, and 7-5, and five, whatever, 6-6, six and six, and they go to a low-level bowl game. It's all about Jimbo Fisher relinquishing play-calling duties and hiring a coordinator. To me, Which, that's by it. the way, never mind. You go the try to spend a lot of money you, on a big time coordinator. To when come you out. invest that much money in your head coach, and now you have to go invest that much, you know, high yeah. high stakes coordinator money in a coordinator. That's a loss in of itself. Uh, coming up, we'll get back into the top games for college football. Uh, Draymond Green, TMZ comes up with the content that no one else can get their hands on. They're unbelievable. Uh, TMZ with the video, the exclusive video of Draymond Green punching his teammate in practice where you they I mean he follow the arrow if you're watching him with all of this and everyone's reaction after practice here was you know these things happen and well everyone within the organization for the Warriors they're thinking this video doesn't get out right and, so, and, and then talking, you see there's the, some talking the shove coming up here uh two-hand shove and then the knockout, Boom. where the, the knees... That's a good punch. Yeah, the, the knees, knees buckle. buckle. This is a KO. This is a TKO in the UFC. Like, this is picture perfect. He pushes him back, he, and, which gains some space that gives his arm just the right amount of, uh, of room to really snap him. But Jordan Poole continued to practice after this. That's impressive. <laughs> he returned to practice after this. And the big thing I take away from this video as we watch it for a third time here, watch the coach in the background, background just puts his hands on his hips as he watches. Yeah, he lets the players like, police like, it. Whatever. Uh, they're, oh, they're coming no. to police. Like, whatever. <laughs> it's like, up like, oh, goodness. Why is this happening during this practice? Um, Steph Curry was interviewed about it, and he said, um, it, it, the narr- someone asked about there's been a tweet and a report that Jordan Poole's attitude has been different because he's negotiating a contract extension. And Steph Curry said, that is complete and total BS. He backed Jordan Poole. He said, his attitude has been no different. There's nothing, whatever was said about contract negotiation has changed him. My point being, it was pretty clear with what Steph Curry was saying without saying it, that Draymond Green is 1 million percent in the wrong in this to punch a guy after a shove, after some trash talk, led him to get in his face and chest bump him. And we just watched the video. First contact is made by Draymond Green. Chest right? to chest. He goes up and, and yeah. moves him with his chest and gets in his face. And then the double shove. And I'm sorry, but the natural reaction is to shove someone off of you if they do that. 
it's not completely normal to follow it up with a haymaker that knocks someone unconscious. Draymond Green needs to be suspended by the Warriors. I don't know if this is a league issue. To me, this is a Warriors issue. They need to do the right thing and suspend him for a long time. He came back to practice the next day, apologized to his team, and left. He was not allowed to practice. We know that. He didn't stay. He left without anyone else after apologizing to, I'm guessing, Poole but and listen, his teammates. It is the, not yeah. punishment to miss NBA practices. No, he's going to miss games. That's a gift. And, and, and maybe he gets – look, maybe – Well, now that the video's out. Maybe yes. they just say this isn't worth it anymore and they cut him. I don't know. No. I don't think No, they're not getting it. there. Because – but the video's out here. So, so it goes back to – so I immediately thought of two things. Number one, the teammates in the organization are willing to put up with Draymond Green when it happens to another team in a game. Right? You, you can deal with it because he's your guy. No one likes it. He's your guy that no one likes. When it bleeds over to instances like this preseason, then it becomes a team issue that you worry about because it's, it's, it's within your locker room. It's not on the court against your opponent. So that's number one. Number two. Now here, let, me, let me also differentiate here. Yeah. To my knowledge, he's never cold-cocked someone on a basketball court in an NBA game. No, but he's been ejected and team. suspended. Yeah, he's crotch-shotted people. He's, he's got temper. He's kicked people. He's grabbed crotches. He has... He's trash-talked. He's shoved... He has come through and, like, waylaid someone as they're going up to try to dunk it. Like, yes, there have been issues. This is, um, you know, Kermit Washington, Rudy Tomjanovich-level punch in this instance, other than at least he's facing him. When he punches him is the one difference. So I just want to – yes, he's been a nuisance and a huge problem for other people in the league. This it's is heightened. Ne- it's never gone this far. He's never had a showdown with someone on another team and decide to punch them. There's clearly some animosity between the two that goes deeper than even what he has with an, yeah. a, an opponent because they're um, around each other all the time. Um, I've noticed David Hookstead at OutKick and Clay are talking about this, and Hookstead says the cops need to be involved, he needs to be arrested. No, this is a team matter. No so, one's calling the cops. I, I completely disagree with that take on he should be arrested, but he should be dealt with. So here's my, I here's mean, my second point. Something must happen. This is not just a, like Paul said, you miss some practices and come back. This should be discipline within the Warriors organization about this because what happened was not right. So here, here's the second point. If there's no video then you don't see that you can describe it however you want if you're the organization. But now that the NBA has seen it, and now that the media has seen it, I wonder what the feedback is on the, you know, some are saying ban or suspension, however you want to term it. But we also saw Aaron Donald wield a helmet in a joint practice this year where nothing happened. I mean, we, we guess that something happened behind the scenes, but we don't know. Like, there's been nothing but you know, a press conference about it right after practice, and that was it. And the NFL did nothing but, but say, you know, we're not, we're not going to oversee practices by the organizations. So I don't know the rule with the NBA on the practice regimen of this like it would be in a game day. So that's, that's the other point here is we, we saw this in training camp and nothing happened with Donald. I, unless the Warriors want to suspend him, I don't know if the NBA can. So a few things here. One, you know who did see it? Steph Curry, who was standing right there on that wing out on the court during practice, other leaders of the Warriors. Sure. A lot of people saw this happen, and there's no coming, there's no taking that back. Right. That's going to be an issue with those teammates. I could tell by Steph Curry's annoyance with a report that it was somehow Jordan Poole's fault because he's in a contract negotiation. Um, 
so uh, there's going to have to be a lot of uh, repairing of relationships with Draymond Green for all the players that saw it. Here's the other thing. Not only have we all seen it, and the league now see the video of it, Hutton, but Jordan Poole has the knowledge that everyone has seen video of him getting knocked unconscious and getting knocked out by a teammate. That changes things. You know, if you get into a private dust-up with someone and someone sucker punches you and you get laid out, that's very different from the world seeing it. Yes. So that now changes Jordan Poole's entire assessment of the situation when he goes back and watches exactly what happened. That's fair, too. It's... I don't know that there's a happy ending here. And I'm I'm not trying to be... Again, I'm not being someone saying, you know, go arrest the guy and he's going to go to prison for this or anything. I don't know that he comes back from this with his teammates. This is a big test of a championship culture. Not completely. A big test of the championship culture. Can, Can Steph, can Kerr manage this? And can his apology and what he does going forward from here... Calm this down. It's um, it's big. I mean, Kerr's it's been big. in a fighting practice before, right? Can Kerr say, <laughs> I mean, "Hey, well, Kerr, I got slugged by Michael Jordan, and everything turned out but just again, fine." Kerr has been Jordan Poole, right? Draymond Green is Michael Jordan in this scenario. Well, Draymond Green ain't Michael is, Jordan uh, yeah. as a player well, of course, anymore. Of course, Draymond not. Green can't shoot anymore. Of course not. But he I know can he's draw, a big part of their edge, but he can still draw some parallels. It depends. And, and the answer, though, if you're picking a coach on, to defuse it, he's the one. The answer depends on how deep this personal issue goes. Yeah. If right. this is a practice deal, one time. Yeah. But, it, but even a two-time, three-time thing, like. But if this goes back a couple, it, you know, like if there are roots, the, deep roots, then it it's depends what the issue's over. And what was said to spark this off? So, but this is beyond the normal practice punch. Oh yeah, this I is, mean, this is a hell of a punch. Yeah, he needs to take on Le'Veon Bell in his next boxing match. That's what we need to see. I mean, Draymond Green. Like, I, I, I'm just. I know you guys say there's no way he's going to get cut or they're going to be done with him or so, any of that. I mean, he has averaged in the last few years eight points per game. Sorry, 7.5 points per game. Only played 46 games a year ago, about half the season. What about boards? He averaged 7 points per game the year before that and played in 63 games. And in 2019-2020, he played in 43 games and averaged 8 points per game. He's not averaged double digits a game since 2018. I'm more interested in what he's doing on the boards. Rebounds per game. I'm going to have to find out. He impacts games, though. Total there, rebounds. There is a presence. He's, he averages about seven rebounds. He's averaged about seven points and seven rebounds a game over the past three there, years. There's a presence. It's but, not and, nothing and, with the presence. It, that's not I nothing. also would say like in clutch games, I tend to see Draymond Green make a play. At the forefront. Um, and, and also, like it, again, I go back to this. It just depends on the root issues of this. The Warriors, by the way, let's also add this into what you're saying about Steph Curry's reaction. Someone within the organization leaked that video. I was just going to say, I'd so, like to get to the bottom of the Warriors and where that came from. But, but was willing to get paid and risk everything to leak the video of Draymond Green clocking pool. What are you getting? A couple hundred grand so, for that? Uh, I don't know. So Good ESPN question. has reported that the Warriors, when you were talking about legal action, the Warriors are taking, quote, every legal course of action to discover how the video of Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole during a scuffle at practice on Wednesday was made public. I would be scared if this, I took that video based on the angle. I mean, All right, who's in that spot? But it, but it doesn't matter who's you in the spot. You just need down. access to the tape, Again, not though, the spot. Yeah, you can narrow it down. I'm 
pretty quickly, I bet, of but who has access be, to that security but, practice footage. Yeah, but you, but I, I, w- I would think it's m- that's a larger number than what you would expect. Yeah. There's no way it's cell phone? No. No, I think this is a practice... Uh, that was practice footage. Yeah. I don't think that's seen by I a think cell phone. It, the way, I it, think it they're more like about, a, worried about who has access to it than it, who it's, was filming it. It's very it. much, Paul, to me, a static camera shot yeah. that's not moving of just a half-court shot. Yeah. Can you imagine that's the on fear? A, a camera I that's mean, this is a typical like crime movie thing where you you have exchanged, uh, you have taken money in exchange for fear. But the cell so phone... So you've, you've got the money, but now you wake up every day fearful of if you're getting busted or not. Now, your cell phone, I would buy if you told me a cell phone was recording a screen of the video they were watching. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it could be a lot of people. It could also be a security camera for all I know. But how many people are in, uh, the question is, uh, I I mean, I I would think there are more, like you said, there are more people in there than you think. Yeah. Otherwise, there's no way you're doing this. Because if they can narrow it down to six people, you're getting burned. Jordan Poole, by the way, averaged almost 20 points per game a year ago. For Golden State compared to 7.2 for Draymond Green. I'm just saying, Draymond Green ain't Michael Jordan. He can punch Steve Kerr and, and come in and apologize, and everybody's going to take that apology and move forward. I don't get the sense that everyone's in love with Draymond Green in that locker room, especially after this. We, uh, we've, seen, we've seen team fights before. We've seen the Rams fight each other. Well, but it, it, it just depends it, on the backstory with this. That's all. Like, And I think the, player, the players are reacting, Chad, to your point. They know the backstory of it based on what's been floated out there with Jordan Poole. And that's why Steph Curry reacted the way he did to it. Right? You would think. Setting the record straight. Yes, yes. And I I think I'm going to go ahead. I'll go out on a limb here. I don't think he's going to play for the Warriors. I think this will prompt a trade. It's a big prediction. Or a cut. I I think that he's going to get traded is the more likely scenario. I don't think he's playing with the Warriors again. I think him coming in to try to apologize – and then being, uh, as the report said, basically escorted off the premise to go yeah. to his car and leave before practice well, started the next day. His his comments were, I he, don't think he he's expected to be fined and suspended. That was his thoughts right after. And this was before the video got out. So it was quite the punch, though. I mean, I mean, I want him in my corner of the two. If we're if we're gonna if we're gonna go down to the like Bullock says, these guys don't want to fight. Uh, no one wants to fight Draymond Green. Based on that throw, so well, Jordan Poole couldn't get up to fight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, he w- he was standing. Fight briefly, was over briefly. Uh, he might have wanted to fight. Ricky, <laughs> fight was over. Ricky in West yeah. End tweets us. Uh, by the way, you can always tweet us at, at Outkick360. Hit us up on the YouTube chat. Plenty of ways to interact with us. He says to me, if someone sucker punched you on set from the Outkick crew, first off, would not happen. No one here would ever cross me. Except for Matt. We're a peaceful uh, show. Except for Matty Ice, who we know is a fighter. He's definitely yeah. a fighter and not a lover. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure why sporting events teams are held to a different standard. I would be on disability and using crutches for the next decade <laughs> in civil court, golden ticket. Now, this to me is the classic example of sports are different, especially when it comes to physical altercation. In a sports setting, locker room, practice, games, I've been in plenty of physical altercations playing sports in my life that I would never be in in a normal business workplace setting. Now, having said that, I would take no issue with Jordan Poole if he was injured in this in, su- in press charges. Like I, I would not have a problem with that. My point is I don't also immediately jump to the Warriors should call the cops right. and file a police report. Yeah. If Jordan Poole has concussion problems 
or broke his jaw or wants the me- you know, medical part of it covered and he wanted to press charges or file suit or whatever, I, I have no issue. I'm not going to criticize Jordan Poole for doing that. He has every right to do it. I don't take issue with it. I just don't like the immediate, these two sports guys on a team got to fight. Let's call the cops and get them involved in this fight in a practice. I just don't, I don't buy that. And it's not going to happen, to your point. Uh, no. Coming up, I've got uh, the underdog picks across the NFL. We won three for three a week ago. I Very think I have good. three other winners. But you guys will probably disagree with them. Uh, we will parlay that into Paul's props with DraftKings and Outkick.com slash bet. When we come back, we preview Saturday's top games. Uh, and we go in-depth with the college football matchups on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Coming up, we've got the upset picks in the NFL. Some props for you with DraftKings. Outkick.com slash bet. And a bit later, we'll go through the top games of the NFL Sunday. And uh, we can promise you, well, I would hope that every game on Sunday and Monday is better what, five times ten times better than what we saw even it's the, wor- even mean, the worst game is that. what five times better than last night it's gonna be hard to match what would that. we bet I, I would hope that they're all gonna be better yeah. the different levels of better but all definitely better can i uh, lead with a little break content that we were just talking about sure so pete thamel is reporting oh. that kennesaw state has emerged the favor to become conference usa's 10th <laughs> member that addition is expected to be the, uh, in the near future for Kennesaw to join effective 2024. My first question was, even as a college football guy, I said, do they play football at Kennesaw State? I've only known them as a basketball team. I mean, um, they have sports there. It's outside of Atlanta. They do play football. You're going to know. Oh, uh, they they well, host Brian Bohannon, North Alabama tomorrow. So they're Division Two. Brian Bohannon <laughs> is, the, is the coach there. He was the first coach. And I wrote a story about Shane Bowen, the Titans – defensive coordinator was on Brian Bohannon's staff and so when he started there he didn't have a, he wasn't coaching a team yet he was recruiting and organizing to start 
a team, but they didn't have a roster at the beginning of the thing. They were building the program. So Kennesaw State uh, is in the Atlantic Sun. They're in the Big South Conference in football, it looks like. Okay. Uh, this is what's funny when announcements like this happen. I guarantee you that Conference USA is going to release in some statement or promotional material that, guys, we got Atlanta. <laughs> we got the Atlanta market. We got the Atlanta market. <laughs> like people in Atlanta care at all oh, about yeah. Kennesaw State athletics. Wouldn't you just go Georgia State at that it's point? It's like 25 minutes yeah. north well, Georgia of Georgia State, also. people will know what state Georgia State is in. <laughs> I'm just, that, I'm that, just, they've got that inherent advantage. I, I'm, I'm yeah. already laughing at the advanced promo material of, we did it. We, we're in Atlanta. <laughs> we're there. Yeah. We got them. We got the city. The entire we captured it. We captured like Sherman captured that city many years ago. Conference <laughs> USA. We've marched south. We have uh, we We're have on torched tour. we have torched the city of Atlanta <laughs> by acquiring Kennesaw State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, and us. That's it. The big three. Yes. Uh, don't even think about Georgia State, who's smack dab in the middle. We should of the have city. a player. Uh, That's the Sun Belt school. We, we should, don't we don't mess with Georgia we State. We should play a trifecta amongst the three of us annually. Amazing. Uh, Previewing uh, tomorrow's top games across college football, let's start with Tennessee and LSU guys where uh, the LSU secondary, pretty good. They're always known for producing great pro talent. Uh, This year, no different with how they've played. And now they get the passing attack of the Vols, which is how their offense rolls. How the chunk plays, the chunk yardage, Chad, that we talk about with what Hendon Hooker and the receivers are able to do Tennessee at LSU kicks off the college football weekend for us, and it's a pivotal game for the Vols, but also for the Tigers, top 25 team, and a a chance with Brian Kelly in year one. We we said this to begin the year two. Brian Kelly's team at LSU this year, if you're going to get them, this is the best chance to do it because they're only going to improve, and they're already pretty good as it is as an SEC opponent. There's a lot of uh, things I did not expect about this matchup coming into the season. One is that it's a legitimate chance for Brian Kelly to get a signature win in year one. I thought it would kind of be two teams pretty much the same and a coin toss type game for LSU and Tennessee. Uh, And it still may be a coin toss type game, but it would definitely be bigger for LSU from an upset standpoint to beat a top 10 ranked Tennessee team at home in this game. Their secondary is comprised entirely I believe their entire starting secondary, safeties and corner, except for maybe one, transfers. New players this year. They took a lot of transfers at LSU. It's been a mixed bag. They are dangerous in the secondary with their ability to create turnovers. Yes. They also gave up 330-something yards to Robbie Ashford of Auburn a week ago. And there were a lot of wide-open guys in the secondary, running through that secondary for Auburn. That's not good for them, but... They held Will Rogers and Mississippi State in check also. So they've shown a little bit of good and bad in that secondary. It's going to be a fun game tomorrow at 11 a.m. Central Time. And I, I don't get the sense that Tennessee plays tight in this game. No. I just don't, I don't, <clears throat> I don't get that vibe. I don't get that vibe. And if they play their game, they're winning this game. I'm, I'm, I think there are a lot of doubters that are looking at LSU and the, the fact that they're hosting this game. I would feel different, I admit, if it's not 11 a.m. Central. I would look towards, you know, under the lights. There's just a different energy at the stadium. I, I'm, not, I'm not feeling it. Well, we'll ask Wes Glenn Gilbo coming up in an hour on that. Look, I, we always reserve 30 minutes with every, everything that we watch in sports. We, we on this show will reserve the right to come back on Monday and say, hey, we were wrong. Oh, yeah. 
Sure. Uh, Tennessee, for whatever reason, played scared in that game or didn't look ready or whatever. But I, for one, would be shocked if at any point this season Tennessee loses a game because they're scared or yeah. they're not ready or the moment is too big. I think if they lose, it's because they can't stop anyone throwing the ball because the secondary is really bad. And they, they fumble the ball. You know, They turn it over and they stop themselves offensively. I don't think it's going to be because of nerves, and I think that's top-down. That's just Josh Heupel's demeanor. He's very much the optimistic type guy who's pretty easygoing, and hey, let's go play ball. Let's go have fun. Let's go win. You know, it's not just uh, not rec league sports, but I think his carefree demeanor has kind of transcended that locker room to where they're not going to play tight. What is the uh, we were talking about this earlier this morning? What what is the over under in this game? It's close to seventy. It's not seventy it's, though. I want to say sixty four and a half, okay. maybe sixty four. I mean that that's this is out. a high scoring game because the the chunk plays that we're discussing to give LSU some credit to LSU can hit some chunk plays against Tennessee as well against Absolutely. their second. And if you look at the numbers, they they allowed big numbers through the air for Florida State and Auburn, which we saw a week ago that Chad mentioned. 337 yards for Ashford, uh, 8.9 yards per attempt. And LSU has allowed 16 passing plays of 20 yards or more this season. That is exactly the same number as the Vols. So if you're thinking of the secondaries and the explosion offensively, Jaden Daniels can hit it too, albeit it's in a different style than Hendon Hooker. They can hit some big plays against Tennessee. Tennessee should hit these same plays, and they should do this throughout the game. I think they start fast. I, what they need, and, and we mentioned this earlier in the week, they need a quick start like we were used to seeing last year from this offense. Yeah. That, that's what the, the first quarter. The way LSU has started poorly in their big games, if Tennessee can lay a haymaker in the first quarter of this game, they could be so far ahead that it's not going to matter what their secondary looks like. By the way, over under is 65 in this game. One player to watch for LSU, if I'm putting my money on someone who's going to have a big game, Mason Taylor. Uh, Jason Taylor's son, that's the tight end, freshman. They, uh, it would be wise to have a game plan that includes getting Tennessee's linebackers and coverage over the middle of the field, and he can do that. You're confident in, in this game. How much would that be amped up with Cedric Tillman? Oh, they're winning with Cedric Tillman. I don't know if he's that confident in this game. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to – yeah, I'm not overly confident. I, I mean, I still think it's, it's what I thought in the preseason. It's, it's a toss-up game. Uh, for both these you teams. you like him if Tillman was now, in? Now, definite win? Yes. If Cedric Tillman were playing, Paul, I would feel much more confident about this game. But I also think that if Tennessee's going to withstand a big loss in the roster, they can do so at receiver. Tillman's at a loss because he's such a net positive when he's playing. But even without him, they're still pretty good at receiver. So there's other positions. They, they lost a guy, they'd be very thin. And the drop-off would be enormous. They they had good receiver play against Florida, even without Cedric Tillman. Kansas is hosting game day. They continue to win. Last week was not pretty, 14-11. to 11. They continue to win and remain unbeaten against TCU. That can also put up some big numbers offensively. And the over-under, I'm going to check it again just to see if it's gone up because it's close. I mean, it was like 68 or something earlier today. Can you go today. full screen on the, on the games, please? 68 and a half is the over-under for this game with Kansas, number 19 in the country, hosting TCU that has uh, won some big games, beat SMU, and, and has continued to play well. And it's TCU on the road, favored by seven against the Jayhawks. 
Can Kansas keep it going? They're, they're facing a gauntlet of teams now in the conference. It's not, I don't think this lasts. I want it to continue to last another week or so with the, the hype. The better. The fact that they're in Lawrence, that, you know, get things going uh, with some hype here with uh, Leopold and, and other things, Chad. Like, come on. Let, I'm, I'm all in on Kansas for this game, even though TCU is the heavy favorite. So report and from, take the over. Yes. Report from Pete Thamel earlier today. This is, this is important for this game. Sources. Kansas is beginning a stadium overhaul project that's projected to cost hundreds of millions. A sign of the school's investment in football. It will include, re- include a renovation of the football complex and a modernization of the 102-year-old stadium. Construction beginning early 23. Let me give you a prediction to follow that up. Lance Leipold's not going anywhere. This is part of the package to keep him. He is about to re-up, and there's going to be a, a big announcement okay. soon on a contract extension for Lance Leipold what? to remain in Lawrence. And this is a move and an announcement made to show everyone we mean business about keeping this guy and not losing him to Nebraska or Wisconsin, and actually being competitive in football for a while. That's a good read, because as soon as you said it, I said, well, isn't that going to be disappointing when they, as you said yesterday, go back to what they were as soon as this guy leaves for greener pastures, and they build all this stuff up and go back to being one of the worst teams in all well, of Division One. So here's the interesting thing about Kansas. The football program, when they were bad, they brought in more money to the athletic program Still than the, the basketball, basketball team. Yeah, it's just the I like, nature. I, I, when I say that, I, it's hard for me to believe. I had to when I heard that for the first time, I was shocked. That's the thing that just and, that's that's the main illustration of the power of football. Period. Yes. Over basketball, so it makes sense. No matter who your coach is, to invest this way, if in fact you know they're bringing in the money, it's closer than other universities. But the football still reigns supreme, even as bad as it is. It's just the scope and the and, scale. And now you you get a boost to it. You get some energy, some life. And we, we saw this, uh, James Franklin brought this to Vandy, and then Vandy did not match, match the same energy financially to back everything up with the facilities, with the coaches. And, and with Franklin's, Franklin's case, he could say different things. The one thing I did believe him on was the facilities and the coaching staff, not necessarily the money they were going to pay him, but the money that was available to the staff. And therein lie the details here on what we see moving forward over under 68 and a half over i I, I still think this is a shootout i I love this kansas team and it's a great story i still think their ceiling is a seven and five level yeah Yeah, that's fair um they're they're, you know they're a team they could go on a nice six or seven year bowl run yeah uh but it's not going to be much better than that but hey good for them football is what drives everything that's what makes the money that's the revenue generator so reinvest back in football. And by the way, that Kansas stat, I think that's true for every Power 5 program that has both Power 5 football and basketball. I'm not talking about, you know, Seton Hall, which is a step down in football, or Georgetown, that their basketball programs will make a lot more as the big Division One power as opposed to football, with the exception of maybe Duke. How about Connecticut? Duke may be the one that actually brings in more basketball than football. How about Connecticut? Uh, UConn would not power five. Again, I'm talking power five. If it's power five football and basketball, football, I think universally will bring in more money regardless it's of just success. bigger scope. Yeah. The, uh, the upcoming schedule for the Jayhawks, by the way, TCU tomorrow, then Oklahoma, and then Baylor in a, yeah. a three-pack of games there. You could lose all three very uh, easily. 
we get to the uh, Texas-Oklahoma matchup, and it's weird not seeing the team teams ranked in this game uh, as we get to the the OU and, and UT rivalry in the shootout. Uh, what's interesting here, you have the four Big 12 matchups this weekend, and this is the only game that does not feature a ranked team. That's the weirdest thing about this. And it's the Red River shootout. <laughs> of, all, of all the programs, hey, you know who's loving this? The rest of the Big 12. Because these are the two programs that spurned your conference to leave for the SEC, and they are yeah. both limping into this game. And they are limping out of their own <laughs> conference right now, which is pretty shocking to me. Yeah. Season's young. They're going to have plenty of opportunities to beat big-time Big 12 teams throughout the year. And I'm surprised by that. Oklahoma's been atrocious the last two weeks. I mean, Brent Venables and comes in. You think, okay, this is going to be good defense. Their defense has been curb-stomped the past two weeks by K-State and TCU. I, I, I mean, I'm excited for yours to be back. He's back, yeah. Uh, last we saw him. Uh, that was last we saw him, right, in the Alabama game? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and then the, whole, feels like the hope was he was going to be back for the rivalry matchup here. I'm yeah. excited to see General Booty. That's what I want to see. For Oklahoma. See, Hopefully he gets his chance. Get Utah and UCLA, to me, the most interesting game of the weekend outside of the SEC is right here. Um, and I think there could be a home-like atmosphere for Utah because UCLA does not have a home crowd. So UCLA, I, I think the Rose Bowl is like 80,000, maybe more capacity. It's a big stadium. And there, I, I was looking at their attendance figures. Look this up. And it went from like 28,000. To, they're 5-0, and oh, by the way. Keep in mind, yeah. undefeated. Right. Highly ranked now. Well, 18th. It was like 28,000, 32,000. It's 90,000 capacity. Thank you, Auden. But it, it kept creeping up, and then the Washington game was like 55,000 people. It's not bad. That's a little more than half your stadium, though, still. <laughs> yeah, still like that's the be, I mean, but it went from 20s, where that yeah. was the empty seats picture, right, to start the year. They had like 33,000 against South Alabama. And then for Washington, 55. So, to your point, if the Utes fans come in, I know there were a lot in Gainesville, the yes. season opener that made the trip, because that's a, a rare trip to go on. Can they sell 30,000 tickets in L.A. for Utah fans and create you know, a, a, a sizable, not huge advantage, but noise factor for their own team? To me, it makes for a great weekend. And you're going to see a team that was highly hyped, preseason I know they lost to Florida but to me this is a ticket you would have prior to that if you're a diehard fan because this is your season they've had four different players uh, rush for at least 100 yards in a game and they've also had six pass catchers with over 100 yards they've been spreading it out since the last time we've watched them on a national stage against the Gators so I mean I I'm intrigued to watch them against UCLA because I think they can have a statement like performance because I think most people now are gravitating to this based on UCLA, not Utah. And we'll see Utah for a second time nationally where they have a chance to make an impact on the, the impression of everyone else on the other side of the And the Utah country. not really hurt by that loss to Florida so far, even in the rankings, to be still 11th in the country. I'm not eager to, to kind of let UCLA off the hook, if you will. But Oregon sure. seats 54. Well, it's not you know, the, so but, if they're drawing 55 last week for a big game, I, I'm not going to crush UCLA. I, they're in a stadium that's too big. Oh, th this is, I mean, it's the Rose Bowl, though. 
Like you, I, I understand. You, yeah, it's it's it's. But in it's, modern it's, times, ninety is too big for for a college football for, stadium yeah, in need, Los Angeles. They need. I, I agree. They need to do what Baylor did and others, where they go to forty eight thousand, you know, fifty thousand seat stadium. But you also can't get rid of the Rose Bowl for the game. No, you can't. So they're in a bad spot. We're not talking about Washington State here. Uh, That's my point. I understand. You've got Chip Kelly as your head coach. Like, this isn't the the I think it's tough in Los Angeles to draw 90,000 to Yeah, I'm not expecting. um, You you guys are focusing on the 55,000. I'm focusing on the average attendance through the first part of the season, which is half of that. I'm not even – look, just in general – yeah, I, I'm I'm focused on the forty five thousand empty seats, even in, within yeah. a good day. That, it's, that's it's, a problem. Yeah, you raise an eyebrow to it because it's just odd and awkward when you see the stadium. I'm trying crowd. to look at the whole Pac-12, but I'm hey. having trouble finding it. Coming up, thank God for Kevin Warren in the Big Ten with that bailout money for UCLA. <laughs> Coming up, we uh, jump into the NFL. I've got the upset picks for you. We've got PK's props and much more on Outkick 360. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You guys ready for some upset winners? Ready. Let me hear. Here are my NFL upsets for week five across the National Football League. By the way, to brag on Hutton a bit, these won. All three hit last week in a big parlay for all of us. Big hit. So you guys may disagree with me, but here they are. I'm taking the Browns over the Chargers. This is a big game for both, not just the Chargers. And consider Keenan Allen is out. And they have other questionable players in the mix here. The, the key for the Chargers is they are not allowing big hits on their quarterback despite the rib injury. And Miles Garrett is back at practice. I have not seen one way or the other if he's playing this week uh, as of this last commercial break. I think the Browns can get after them. They're starting a rookie at left tackle. The Chargers are. And keep this in mind, too. The Chargers' rush defense is awful, just like last year. And Nick Chubb is second only to Saquon Barkley this year as the top running back in the NFL. I'm taking the money line. Browns at home against the Chargers. Seahawks, to me, this is easy money. Seattle on the road at New Orleans. Early in the week when I sent these to Davey Hudson, it's because New Orleans does not have a bye week returning from London. That's number one. Their choice, too. Their choice. They're back at home, and they don't have... Uh, they don't have Jameis Winston, which is not a knock one way or the other. They're starting Andy Dalton. They do not have Michael Thomas. He's also been ruled out for the second consecutive week. Give me Geno Smith for another week here. He's one of the top players to begin the season. I'm taking the plus money. I think Seattle upsets, upsets them on the road, uh, and they return back to Seattle a week from now. And I'm riding with Dallas against the Rams. The Rams allow pressure on their quarterback. 
Dallas does that extremely well from both edges. And I'm thinking Cooper Rush doesn't turn the football over on the road for at least one more week. They're steady. And I think Matthew Stafford right now is not. And so I'm riding with the team that has the the mistake-free quarterback play. I'm not going to say the hot hand or uh, the better quarterback here. I'm just saying the, the, the mistake-free offense. And I think the defense shows up every week. I'm taking Dallas on the road. I've lost my notes here, Hutton, <clears throat> which I emailed myself and somehow lost in the ether. So you might have to help PK's me out with props. some of these ma- uh, some of these matchups. Who's okay. playing who? Lamar Jackson over one and a half passing touchdowns. This is against uh, the this, Bengals. Yes. Uh, look, uh, in, in I, prime time. I, I think generally speaking, Lamar Jackson throwing two touchdown passes this year is uh, is a good bet, especially at plus money, plus one ten. I'm going to take that. Coup who is my kicker on several um, fantasy teams, is generally money for Atlanta. And they're taking on the Bucks, but he they kick a lot of field goals. One yes. and a half field goals uh, over, like plus 125, which is a generous price. Damian Pierce, I feel like uh, tech, the Texans discovered him last week, finally, let him go a little bit. Um, anytime touchdowns, Chad's favorite thing. Plus 145, I would figure... They'll be in the red zone somewhere and hand it to their running if back. If they score a touchdown, odds are it's going to be him. Yeah, and they're playing the Jaguars, who are not an invincible defense by any means. Marcus Davenport got his first half sack of the season last week. Remind me who they're playing. You just had it up there. Oh, Seahawks. 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 They return home. Um, I, I could totally see him getting to Geno Smith. And at plus 205 for a half a sack – I think that's a very nice price. So I feel good about these four. I've leveled off a little from hitting three a week to hitting two a week, but I'm hitting four a week this week. I know what you mean on this graphic. It should say .5, which would be a half sack. You don't want a quarter sack here. Well, no, it's saying over a quarter sack, so it's saying he gets at least half a sack. That's how the sack props work. So it's saying he gets over a quarter sack, which means he gets half a sack. All good. Like, okay, fair enough. Uh, the graphic's correct here based on that prop. I've never seen a, a quarter sack prop. So yeah. I'll, I'll be digging for that one. That should be easy. Good I would hope. Uh, parlay all that together with PK's props. I would like to see what the parlay for those props combined with your outright winner parlay would net you well, so on a $5 Real bet. quick, which, which outright winner do you guys hate the most? I'm taking Seattle, Cleveland, and Dallas. Cleveland. I hate that one the most. Yeah, I'd say the the And I don't even believe in the Chargers. (laughs) I hate that one the most. They play close. uh, Cleveland's playing close games. I think you'll hit two out of three of them. They run the ball extremely well. It's just a matter of which two out of three. Um, Let's win this weekend, gentlemen. Let's win. It's time to win. Gilbo joins us next. Our time is uh, now. We head to outkick.com, who is in Baton Rouge. Glenn joins us next to preview Tennessee and LSU on Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.